0: A
1: speaker. Let's get
2: political, political. Let's get, Let's get a Let me it, sweetie. I'm getting near.
1: Absolutely, we always take something away from every meeting we have. <laughs> Yes, it's that time. It's time to get political here on Ready One's Breakfast on a Friday morning. I'm joined by Sarah Martin, Phil Ferguson, and John Moore. Morena to you all. Morena. Morena.
3: Morena.
1: Uh, How are we all this morning? The chilli. The (laughs) chilli, yeah. (laughs) Ah, yeah. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Ote pote this morning. Uh, We love it. Um, Right, yo, let's get down to brass tacks, I guess. Um, Wow, the police have apologised to Nikki Hager. Um and it's a long time coming it's interesting to me um, always when it comes to the things he does uh, if you look at this and you look at Hit and Run um, and, and, and past ones um, Waipori, um bases in the early 90s and a few others um, always ends up getting an apology but it's always after the story's kind of lost its steam and the public's kind of forgotten about it and don't care about it anymore so as long as they get their spin going long enough uh, they get away with it And they apologise in the end, but no one really cares. It's Um, very convenient for the powers that be. (laughs) That's right. So tell
0: us, John, what exactly did they apologise for? Okay, so Nicky Hager, for anyone out there who doesn't know who he is, is a a well-known journalist and writer uh, of a rebel persuasion so he doesn't always get on with uh, the powers that be uh, from uh, John Key to Helen Clark to to the police especially. So in um, 2014 he wrote a book called Dirty Politics which, uh, which alleged that the office of the former Prime Minister John Key Sir John Keith, we should call him now, uh, ran a dad, there was a Dirty Tricks campaign run from his office. Um, And Nicky Hager had, had Got a whole lot of information from um, from Hacked the hacked account of Cameron Slater, who's a whale oil, oil blogger. Mm. Yes. Uh, so um, after all this information came out and the book was published, the police um, uh, raided his place uh, when his um, he wasn't actually at home. His daughter was home at the time. Went through a whole lot of his files, his computer files. Um, uh, didn't find anything, apparently, uh, mm-hmm. and um, then Niki Haga took them to court in 2015, so a few years ago now, uh, the court ruled that basically the police had acted illegally mm-hmm. and hadn't been candid in the information they gave to the judge who gave the okay for this raid. Yep. So they basically uh, left out that they were going to do a raid on a journalist uh, for for information that he had used. Uh, and, and um, in the book that he wrote, uh, the, the judge ruled that this, this was that the police were being basically deliberate and 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 not being candid, so they could easily uh, carry out this raid, get the okay from the judge, and yeah, just this week, um, uh, uh, Nikki Hager has received a formal apology from the police, quite a substantial apology, and also a settlement. Yes, yes. So, Sarah, the
1: police uh, acted unlawfully. Um, get, yeah, you know, if I had acted unlawfully, I would be in jail. Or uh, at home with a new bracelet on, and it would look lovely and shiny. But I couldn't leave the house to show my friends, um, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you know the police can just apologise, mm. and uh, the, well, pub- the public the yeah. public can I mean, pay they some must money. Have been a very
3: good union because <laughs> you know um, people get dismissed for this kind of behaviour and for much less misdeme- you know, lighter, smaller misdemeanours. So I, I don't understand you know, where where is the accountability from the people who made these decisions up top? I imagine there would have been a Quite a high level of um, managerial oversight of this case, or high level up top brass oversight of this, given how political it is so you know where 's the accountability in terms of the the personnel the people who actually made these decisions to deliberately mislead the court it 's a pretty serious thing to do, especially from our law enforcement agency, um, so you know, I think there 's been precious little. Discussion of that that I've seen in terms of, um, you know, do they just do that? Is this does this mean they can just break the law, mm. behave inappropriately, and then do an apology? And you know, I mean, taxpayer money obviously used to to cover up and compensate for their um, their behaviour, their mistakes. Um, and I, you know, mistakes is too um generous words because yeah. it was a deliberate misleading of the courts and deliberate breach of so many of nikki hiker's rights so yeah i'm curious as to why there's so little personal accountability um and i'm also curious as to the political you know what what kind of if there was political interference which you know, everyone's denying but well wow. given how political it was
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. Well I wonder I mean I, I, I wonder what the judge thinks, the judge that was hoodwinked, really, mm. what his personal feelings are. And I wonder if um a private pro- prosecution of the police that broke the law could be taken by Nicky or maybe someone like Mark Taylor. I don't know, he likes to do those kinds of things, but it's <laughs>
2: um what are you what's your take on it, Phil? Well, I I agree with what um has been said so far, but I also think like what about the judge? What did the police tell the judge? You know, is there not, is there not a name on the warrant of like whose place they're going to raid? Yeah, does he not have to consent to you know a specific individual, or do they just say, oh yeah, you know, also you know, the, do the police just go to the judge and say we want to raid somebody's house, and the judge goes, okay, you know, like if he knew, if he saw the name, surely. He'd <laughs> you know. He's a judge. He'd know or, who, or who they. know. Yeah, well, he'd know who Nikki Hager was. Um, and so why? You know, I think there's questions to be asked about um, about the police, but also about the judge. And the other thing that disturbs me about it is, and I think, you know, in New Zealand we like to think that we, uh, you know, that we've got some backbone and all the rest of it. But um, there's an incredible number of people in this country who have a kind of kiss-ass attitude towards authority. The police come in and they, they say something, they just automatically kind of mindlessly obey because mm. the cops went to, what, the ba- bank, airlines and so on mm. for personal yeah. information about Nicky Hager. Hager, why did those people give it? Yeah, Westpac uh, gave yeah. over 10 years' with the statements. Yeah. For what? Yeah, I mean, I find that as disturbing as... Well, a the police shouldn't have been doing it. Yeah, but I've, I actually find it really disturbing that a bank would gave that information. On, mm. on you know on what grounds? I mean, just because the police tell you that they want something, <laughs> why would you automatically give it mm. when you're a bank?
1: That's a breach, right, I mean surely he could take the, the he, could, he could take the court, the bank to court um you know I West... think he should change banks yeah well, Westpac <laughs> is the government's bank, that's yeah. who the government banks with. um so you never know i mean and it is I wonder if it's political interference, and this is what Judith Collins had to say. I'll just pay this little bit because this is only short
3: what does national think of the police apology <laughs> <laughs> that's right
1: that's it, huh. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's all yeah. she had to say, and then she wanted an apology from Nicky After that, so she had a good laugh, mm. and then all she wanted yeah, was it's an apology. Shocking. From, uh, Absolutely shocking. Uh, mm. Terrible. I mean, and mm. that just yeah. goes to show, really. Why, th- why did she? Well, want I think as under-
3: Phil said, we seem to take very lightly these fundamental issues of yeah. you know um the role of the of police and the role of the rights of citizens and of to privacy and not to and you know some civil protection against police interference and police investigations and you know it all seems to be just a laugh and yeah, we'll hand over these details and you know we'll mm. laugh off police breaching these these fundamental laws as if it's just a big joke but as as Phil says you know we've got to learn to stand up for our rights and the rights of our
1: fellow citizens a bit more. Yeah, yeah, and what and the rest of us have <laughs> to stand up for our, f- yeah, like you said, fellow citizens' rights. And, and where's the outrage from uh, all corners of Aotearoa f- for Nicky? I think, you know, uh, it must be tough for him because he does get put under the bus a lot. He does get, um, you know, uh, ridiculed uh, to the mm. point where maybe the public don't trust him, even though he ends up winning like
0: this. Mm. And we've had both um, uh, major parties, Labour and National, attack him at various times. So, mm. uh, um, going right back to Helen Clark, where uh, Nikki Haka wrote a book, um, revealing um, arguably corrupt or dishonest practices of the Labour Party. Uh, um, Labor and Helen Clark went into attack mode against him at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, of course with his uh, revelations against uh, um, uh, SAS in Afghanistan and uh, in, in, in dirty politics from the National Party, uh, again, the National Party went into attack mode against him and, and, and wrote him off as it, not uh, reliable. However, any, all the information he has in his box, although it's been questioned, uh, nothing's been uh, shown to be infactual. Right. Uh, mm, mm. And yeah, going back, was there was there political interference in this case? Well, Nicky Hager certainly believes uh, there was um, political interference, um, uh, and in particular, he believes uh, 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 Judith Collins was uh, uh, <laughs> outraged and very angry uh, by his actions. So he he says that that the, the police's uh, raid of his, his home and the gathering of information from his bank and from airlines was, was very much. Uh, um, in the mode of the police and and the government trying to punish him and to give a message to uh, uh, journalists and and people who speak truth to power that maybe they need to keep their head down Mm. or there's ramifications for taking on the government. So I think this the fact that um the police have been forced to make an apology and, and a payment uh, i think is a great thing for journalistic freedom and media freedom
1: mm-hmm. and it's good because he's gonna have a bit of money to do, dig up the next bit of dirt yes, uh, yeah, of <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: I, I think you know i mean as john says it's kind of um i think it you know it was designed to teach him a lesson it was incredibly zealous behavior on the police's behalf but you know i think as well as journalistic freedom that the, there's so much writing on this case because mm. Um, you know the ability for other whistleblowers and the ease with it, with which other whistleblowers will come forward and reveal this kind of corruption and um, this kind of corruption is really undermined when they think that they 're not going to be safe and going to a journalist and Nicky Hyder himself said that following this police raid, one of his uh, a, a potential source for the um his investigations into Afghanistan actually pulled back because they no longer had confidence that um, the police wouldn't come after you know after that um, after them and and try and identify who they are so it's you know, really incredibly important in terms of um, people 's confidence that they can um, reveal corruption and um, illegal behaviour within um, state and public servant activity so um yeah it, it's a really important case.
1: Mm. so um, what what's what are both sides of the line saying for this one, John? <laughs>
0: Well, interestingly, there have been people on the right, principal people on the right who have supported Nikki Haga. So Matthew Houghton mm-hmm. uh, has, um, has definitely supported Haga over this case, as has um, former ACT leader, Rodney Hyde. Behind, yes. um, so I, I think there's a number of people on the right who recognise that there's a lot of underhand and dirty politics that, that happens uh, across the board in politics, mm. especially in parliamentary politics, and there are principal people on the right and left who, yeah, just uh, are find this all quite chilling and disgusting um, also in, in terms of the general public um uh Hager's sort of uh pushing of the police on this issue he he obviously needed money uh and um he was able to raise sixty five thousand from um give a little yeah um and also uh u s journalist Glenn Greenwald uh, raised twenty one thousand for him no nice. so he, he said yeah,
1: it is nice well i mean but look at i mean that in there lies a massive problem too to go after the police for, uh, for criminal behaviour it takes cash and some people don't have that ability. Mm. And that is really like that's just uh, screwed. And I I mean I'm assuming he's got his court costs covered as well within it and all that
0: kind of jazz. But um But you're right, yeah, uh, the, I mean that the police and the state have all their resources. Yeah. Uh and um But there are resources too. I mean yeah. it, the taxpayer, uh, it's, who's paying
1: for it? I am. Yeah,
2: and, and that's a that's a really big problem as well. That to, you know, they use public resources from us. Mm. Do these illegal activities to and blind then, the public, and then they, use, yeah, and then they use public resources to pay when they're caught out, <coughs> and somebody who's actually doing a public service mm-hmm. has to privately scrape together the cash. To actually, you know, stand up for basic democratic rights.
1: Mm-hmm. Heads should roll, and they should uh, go off to prison. And we're going to have some new beds soon, um, so they can. Uh, well, that, uh, yeah. that, it might be too a mattress situation. Uh, yeah, that's for right. The, that's right. The police commissioner. couple of cops top, <laughs> you top and tailing. Because um, Labour, you know, Labour made a big deal of prison reform. Uh, Deputy leader of the Labour Party, uh, old mate, old mate can't talk on TV. Oh, I'm uh, forgetting his name. God Calvin, Dav- Calvin, Calvin Davis, Davis, the most nervous <laughs> human in the world. Um, he, you know, he's promised a lot of prison reform, uh, a thirty percent reduction in prison numbers over fifteen years, and we do have really high incarceration rates, mm. especially uh, within uh, Maori um, people. It's it's absolutely outrageous. Um, you know what what exactly did they have planned and what have they kind of scuttled because of course they're not alone uh they've got coalition partners and they have to do a little bit of bending i guess i mean this was labor's Mm. plan not necessarily the
0: government's plan Mm. but the the, uh the government as a whole uh, all three partners in the government have been committed to lowering prison rates by 30 percent over 15 years so that's obviously quite substantial and and, and clearly gave a, a signal that they, that the sort of a lock them up and throw away the key method of dealing with crime uh, wasn't working uh, that, that that model uh, needed to be rejected uh, mm. and a, a new a new form of um, uh, i guess dealing with with crime and uh, rehabilitation a new system needed to be put in place. But this seems to be another case where Labour has been big on talk, uh, but does the opposite uh, in in reality. So uh, this week it was announced that a a new prison building is um, being built in uh, uh, Waikariri, which I I believe has 500 beds, including 100 beds uh, with a mental health facility. So the government uh, both, especially Labor and the Greens, especially have been able to spin it as quite a progressive move. That mm. it's not going to be a mega prison. Uh, as just in DRTN says it's not going to be an, an American-style mega prison. Uh, and because it has a, a specific mental health facility, uh, it's being spun as uh, uh, as part of the government's reforms on uh, uh, to, to do with prisons. Mm. But. The fact is uh, that, that increasing the number of beds uh, overall, uh, in terms of uh, uh, imprisoning people, uh, the, the, um, this will be two people to a cell uh, as well, uh, which um, actually goes against UN and international recommendations to the point of saying that it goes against people's human rights mm-hmm. to, um, uh, to, to bed people uh, in such a small cell uh, and two people, and there's a whole lot of dangers for uh, prisoners, potentially. Uh, by having a cellmate, Um, and I think a a couple of years ago there was a case of a a, a rape of a a male prisoner uh, from that person's cellmate. So um, yeah, uh, I think people people who believe in prison reform or even people who take a more radical position on prison abolition should be pushing the government hard on this question Uh that they're not delivering yeah i mean i i would not have
1: corrections running a mental health facility not in a million bloody years
3: but well they may not <laughs> i mean we don't know what that's going to look at i i mean i you know i think the government well the green party and the labor party are Committed to um, large-scale fundamental reform of, of prison and the way we um, encourage in correction policy, and I think that's laudable. I think you know they—it's a huge machine to turn around. It's you know they can't just suddenly stop building prison beds because, unfortunately, there are so many parts of the system that need to be changed, including our sentencing laws and our bail laws. Um, before and also you know ideas of kind of prevention of crime in the first place which in my opinion would be better by having more teachers and higher benefits but um you know and addressing poverty but you know it's a huge machine that they need to turn around um what they've done with waikiria is they have they've increased the bed numbers but only by about 200. waikiria is a terrible terrible very old Um, prison facility that needed to be replaced you know you can't it's a Victorian era kind of prison facility so it did need upgrading. Um, What what, um, the previous government provides as John says was 2,000 extra extra beds a huge mega facility so they've reduced that down to a quarter of the size Um, and I think it's a really positive move that they've um, got a dedicated mental health facility at at the same time because um there is so much coincidence of people with mental health needs and prisons that aren't being currently addressed. So I think, you know, you've got to praise them for committing to that direction of travel. Um but also accept that you know that, that kind of thing needs will need years and years of change and planning at all points of the continuum and all, all points of the system and the process. It, it, when It's not just going to, you know, there needs to be fundamental legislative reform as well as prison reform. So, yeah, it's a big project.
0: But the fact that they are building a new prison with double-bunked beds, with uh, uh, cells that, that are smaller than that uh, international standards, and that the government has been criticised for um, um, its policy on double bunk sales, points to me that this government isn't really serious about uh, prison reforms when it's not even prepared to abide by the minimum of what is international standards in terms of treating prisoners. <coughs> yeah, I think... The
3: double bunking is a huge disappointment, I agree. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I do think that, you know, Calvin Davis is very genuinely committed to it.
1: Yes, I think he has been the whole. You know, for for, for many years, he, he worked on this um, outside of Parliament as well. Um, well, it 's an interesting thing, and but I mean they 've already well I think at the moment there 's two hundred beds that are free within our prison system, and if they are going to start reducing numbers, why wouldn't they start reducing numbers now? And I guess one thing you 've got to target is sentencing laws mm. um, you 've um, certain crimes that are out there that people are getting sentenced to prison for now, um, maybe they shouldn 't be anymore so um, I guess with prison reform, it probably should start in the courtroom.
3: Film? Well, absolutely. Sorry. Oh, oh no, no. no, go ahead. You go, no, no, I go. I've had ahead.
2: my say. You no, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you go. Oh, come okay, um, well, on, one no, of you no. go. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, an obvious um, place is the thirteen percent of people uh, of prisoners who are in there on drug-related offences. Mm. Um, you know, if we had more sensible. Laws in relation to to drugs well that would be thirteen you know thirteen percent of the prison population that mm. where it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be needed um, but and obviously it is quite a long term thing because if you look at who's in prison um, and there's the obvious um Ethnic inequality about who's in prison, but that's related to also things like the fact that so many people are in prison are uh, functionally, basically illiterate. Mm. Yeah, um, who have mental health. I mean, the number of people who have mental health issues is real. A percentage is really, really high, and uh, I think it was eighty something percent. Of uh, well over eighty percent of prisoners who were unemployed before they went into into prison, so Mm. you know we need reform of the education system. We need you know um, massive job creation um, schemes, especially in areas like the east coast um, and northland uh, and so on, you know, we need lots more regional development um, so that people aren't in these situations where they go out and commit offences that they quite possibly would not otherwise commit and um, And I think we also need a kind of change in the public attitude. Like, I remember the referendum on stiffer prison sentences. You know, I was one of 13% of people who voted against stiffer prison sentences. And, you know, I mean, I was quite shocked at the number of people who,
0: in this country, who just... Want to, mm. you know, mm. lock people up and, and, and. It was quite a li- misleading question, though, in that yeah. referendum. I, um, oh, I, yeah. I know people in my family voted for it because it, it talked about victims of, of crime as well. So um, um, people felt they were vo- voting in favour of victims' rights. But mm. um, I'm
1: sorry, we've run out of okay. time. Uh, uh, it's bang on nine o'clock. We've got to go into the news. So uh, apologies, we've run out of time. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Uh, <laughs> thank you, John. Uh,